Good morning. Listen to Mark and Neanderthal when you get to work with the free KSLX app. 100.7 KSLX. It's Mark here. Neanderthal's over there, and he's going to... What, what's the show you're going to recommend? Well, um, I think... I think we've all been affected by this lockdown to a point where we're doing things that we not normally wouldn't do, right? Yeah, true. So I, um, I've i heard people talk about this TV show for the better part of a year now. And I thought to myself, well, I've, I've got some sort of a deal with my cell phone carrier that I can get a certain streaming service for like, a, you know, a reduced reduced fee. Okay. That kind of deal. So, you know, if you bundle everything like that. So I decided to sign up for Disney Plus. Because I had to watch The Mandalorian, ah. which I'm not, I, I would not call myself a Star Wars fan, but, you know, it's part of my upbringing. It's sort of part of my DNA. There's certain movies and franchises and things like that that are sort now, of interwoven with who we are. This is The Mandalorian? The Mandalorian, okay. yes. Okay, it's not the one about the guy who doesn't wear sunscreen, the melanomian? No, it's not about the one? melanomian, no. But, you know, yes. I've, I've heard that that's, that series is spotty at best. It was filmed here. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> Should have been filmed in Tunisia. <laughs> I, I, now, Mandalorian, is it like pre-Star Wars, post-Star Wars? What is it's, it? It doesn't say. There's no real no real um, acknowledgement of time. It's somewhere between the fall of the Empire and the new emo Star Wars that we're, we're, we're okay. sort of seeing what's going on with, gotcha. you know, the, the stupid Kylo Ren and stuff right. like that. Um, but in essence, and I'm not going to ruin it for you. I'm not going to give any of the plot. Uh, lines or anything out there, but in essence, it's it's kung fu in a Star Wars universe. Oh, he sort of moves from town to town, positively affecting people. Kind of. <laughs> That's what Kwai Chang Kane did. Yeah, kind yeah. of. There's and there's a religious overtone to it, you All know, right. because the Mandalorians are re, are are a religious race species of people, um, and and their sect involves weaponry as part of their religion. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. sort of, but but right. uh, surprisingly, really well done. Plus, I saw Gina Carano in an episode, so that's good. All right, so I got okay. that going for me, which, which is nice. nice. All right, so, so I, uh, I went, I went, and I will. I and I'm. I, it's only eight episodes, and apparently the new season comes out sometime in October. That's assuming they're able to shoot it because of what's right. been going on with the lockdown and everything like that. But you like it? Uh, I'm I'm literally halfway through it. There are eight episodes. I'm right. four episodes through it. I started watching it. Uh, what's today? Wednesday. I started watching it Monday. Um, <laughs> and it and it's it's not bad. It's All pretty right. good. I yeah. can actually watch it because uh, my wife downloaded Disney Plus somehow, and we got some kind of. It's part of some package, right. That we can take advantage of. So you know what you can do is something I had to do the other night. Wait, wait, wait. That you doesn't now, sound like a, you now have like the a... opportunity to watch Hamilton. I had a, my wife's been trying to get me for you know five years now, however long it's been out, to see the show Hamilton. All right, Hamilton. Oh, not that it's, guy. It's, it's, no, uh, not that spinoff movie from, from about Brad Hamilton. No, not from Fast Times at Richmond High. It's it's Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, it's. I tell you what, I would I would tell you that it's an amazing thing that this guy wrote this whole thing and 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 based it all on Lin Manuel Manuel Miranda. Yeah, whatever. it's yeah. it's an amazing achievement creatively. It's right. just not. It's just not my bag. But you can watch it if you want to. Well, I, I've got I've got other things I can watch now. Right now, I mean, I got to finish watching the Mandalorian, and then there's uh, all those Marvel movies that are there and stuff. So you know, yeah. But you could watch the uh, you know the story of the man who was able to found our financial system simply by singing hip hop songs one after the other, I, after uh, the other, yeah, after uh, the other. Yeah, I'll put that on my uh, on my to do list. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I just want to want to check that out. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> it's in my queue. I think. Can I? Tell, I'll tell you what. I've only got a year. I've only signed up for for a year, and I've got a lot of stuff to watch, Mark. So I, if there's one reason to watch Hamilton, 
and, and anybody could get a kick out of this or be disgusted by it. The king comes out and sings a song and is literally drooling spit all out of his mouth. It's disgusting. It's, it's filmed from a live performance. When the king comes out and sings, take a look at that. It's disgusting. You've made it very, very attractive, Mark. I'm going to recommend a show here. Okay. And it is... Perry Mason. Okay. I loved that show when I was a kid. I used to watch it with my dad. Well, you used to watch it with your dad, but this is not your father's. Mason, even though we are enjoying the old Perry Mason theme song, which it's is... It's a classic, Which by is kick-ass. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, but this is not your father's Perry Mason. It's on HBO. Really good stuff. It's a... It's a What's the word they use? The reimagining? It's a reimagining. Yeah, it's, it's an alternate universe of Perry yeah. Mason because I, I'll be honest with you, this is a weird thing for me. I, I recognize Perry Mason as being the original Perry Mason being the lawyer drama that it was starring Raymond Burr, who yes. was fantastic in Godzilla. Um, <laughs> and... And, and I recognize it for what it is. I've never seen an episode of Perry Mason. I've the, never the seen the old one. The old one. Never seen it. Really? I know what it is. I know it's a huge pop culture thing. Yeah. I, I, I've seen. I've heard the theme. I know the theme. I know who was in it. I know kind of the idea behind it. I've never watched it. And yet, when I saw the preview for the new Perry Mason, I was like, "Well, this doesn't look like Perry Mason at all." Even though I've never seen right. Perry, Mason. I have no emotional attachment to it. Perry Mason would be a great lawyer to advertise now, like all the lawyers do. He's like, yeah. "If you want to make sure you win your case in one hour." <laughs> <laughs> Call Perry Mason. What I do like is, um, having seen the opening of Perry Mason, for those that don't know it, it Raymond Burr, the spectacularly <laughs> handsome Raymond Burr, walks up. Uh, he's the legal equivalent of Ernest Borgnine. He walks up to the judge and he grabs the dossier for the case. He's yes. a defense attorney. He goes up and grabs a dossier for, for the case, opens it up, and within eight seconds of reading the, the title page of the dossier, smirks like, got it. Yeah, nailed it. He nods no reassuringly problem. and says, knows he's going to do it. I know I can win this case. The, the legal system yes. is so simple, I can look at the title page of this thing and go, that's like that's like reading the cover of a book and going, oh, yeah, I know what this is about. Yeah. See, this is a, this is a reworking. Uh, Perry is not even a lawyer when the show starts. He what is, is a, he? He's kind of a scuzzy, down-on-his-luck, hard-drinking private investigator who snoops on people to catch them cheating on their husbands or wives or whatever. So, now, was that And then the, it evolves after that. Is that the origin story of Perry Mason? I do not know. Because now it sounds kind of like Gotham. You know, the idea yeah, of, of the beginning of Batman. Yeah, so it's... I, I highly recommend it. It's on HBO. I, it, I would say it's almost trained to Busan good. No kidding. No kidding. Well, that's high praise indeed. The only bad thing is that it's on HBO, so you actually have to wait a week between episodes. You have to wait seven days between episodes. Oh, like, my God. Like, this is prehistoric times or something. Like, we're savages. What is it? What, do we live in a third world nation? This is America 2020. We should be able to get stuff on demand all the time, anytime. Even before it's produced, we should be able to watch it. The struggle is real. I believe I'm so. Well, here's the good news is, I'm. Uh, how many episodes into it are you? I'm into it. Five episodes, and that's where the show is right now. We're completely up to date on it, just waiting for Sunday night. See, I'm halfway between the end of The Mandalorian. It's only like eight episodes, so I can now put that on demand on my DVR. And when I'm done with The Mandalorian, I can watch uh, watch Perry Mason. I can catch highly, up on it. Highly recommend it. Anything and I don't yep. have to watch Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, who are the people in your neighborhood? The people that you meet each day. Neighbor, neighbor, neighbor. 
Yeah, this is uh, this is when we take time out to sort of bring people together and uh, remind you that your neighbors shouldn't be strangers, but if they are, you should give them a unique nickname, <laughs> something to explain and describe them to other people, such as the neighbor I have in my neighborhood now who I know as Lights Out. Because the street lights out in front of his house. Okay. So he's lights out. Is it the city street light or yeah. his street light? No, it's a city okay. street light. Yeah, right. yeah. And, and I'm sure the city will get right on that. That's going to be a, the street light in front of Lights Out's house is going to be taken care of immediately, I imagine. So when we're out doing stuff like pause for pause, we do those every now and again. we got a couple more coming up. You can always check KSLX.com. But we'll sometimes ask people if they have those interesting neighbors. The kite man. The kite man. He's got to be about 60 years old. And every night right after... Uh, dinner, whatever, he goes and flies his kite. If there's any kind of breeze or anything, it doesn't matter. Big kite and everything, and I live in an apartment complex, so he's always out there flying his kite. I mean, it must be his high or something. I don't know. <laughs> but right. he's a kite man. All right, kite the man. Kite that, make, man. that makes sense. It's it's different anyway. You have to be very, very specific when you refer to him as the kite man. Mm-hmm. You want to do that, less, less people make assumptions. Exactly, yeah. and... Uh, in an apartment complex, that's kind of tough because usually the parking lot has the shade structures. Right, exactly. Get the kite hung up on those suckers. Yeah. So I wonder if he gets it going and then and then finds a way to pass like the string, the little yellow, the yellow uh, cardboard thing with the spool of string on it to somebody on the balcony. He just sits on the balcony. Yeah. And just lets the just lets the kite hang there. Yep. That'd be interesting. So uh, okay, another quick neighborhood nickname. This guy's got a quick one for what do you us. Got? Yeah, hi. I have a neighbor who doesn't wear his shirt when he walks his dog. We call him Tarzan. <laughs> there you go. All right, that's good. Tarzan, nice doesn't reference. wear his shirt. Doesn't wear his shirt when he walks his dog. It's funny. It wasn't my neighborhood, but uh, when I was doing real estate, doing an open house in this one neighborhood several weeks in a row, there was a guy probably in his mid to late 60s who would walk around in the evening without a, or, you know, in the middle of the day without his shirt on. And it was a guy who absolutely should always have a shirt on. <laughs> you know, I didn't think of a nickname because it wasn't my neighborhood. So. Yeah. One hundred point seven KSLX. Joe Walsh's Rocky Mountain Way. Uh, I remember a buddy of mine, his older brother, had that album, and uh, so I thought Joe Walsh was cool from the get go. Although I'm not a huge Joe Walsh fan, um, I, I talk about that because we were talking yesterday on the phone, Paul and I, about uh, our first records, and I, I'm frustrated because we got into a conversation. I said, "Oh yeah, I'll, in fact, I still have the, I still have the 45," and I went up and I couldn't find it. I found other ones that I have, like old Beatles 45s, the original. But right. the first record I ever purchased myself bicycled over into the next town to TSS Times Square store, which was like a Target, went to the record department. And for 77 cents, I got Green River from Creedence Clearwater Revival. This is your first 45? Yep. And I got I, I have it somewhere. I just got to tear the house apart and find it. All right. Well, this is this is a good a good oh, first forty five. This what is a interesting. Great song. What's interesting is you and I have about an eight year age difference. Um, I didn't get into Creedence Clearwater Revival literally until like three years ago. I just <laughs> I, w- I was not into the band at all. Yeah, I was you just missed them. Yeah, my yeah. thing. Yeah, I, I didn't get it. I guess way back when uh, it was so, you know it was like an oldie to me. By the time you know my sure. mom. Here's the thing. My mom had all of the Creedence records. 
She had all of the Zeppelin records. She had all, because my mom was 20 when I was born. I was born in 68. So she had, you know, Zeppelin 1 and Zeppelin 2 and, and the Beatles stuff and stuff. And, and I bypassed all of that stuff when I started to get into music at like seven or eight years old. Uh, first, uh, first 45 I bought. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. As, as like You'll a, recognize a, a it seven in a second. Or eight year old. <laughs> Right? Now, when he was a young man, uh, he never thought he'd see. I don't know why. To see this was a great song until like the third play, and then I was like, all right, I've heard it. But that's what happens with novelty songs. When did this come out? This is like 78. All right. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Born in Arizona, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was a kid, and, and and you know, when you're a kid, you don't you don't really know any better. I mean, I, I had been listening to other stuff, but uh, and then I remember the first album I bought was The Other Side. Ooh. Yeah, see, so I was I had a wide musical range from the beginning. Is this Wild Cherry? Yeah, okay, Wild Cherry and play that funky music, White Boy. Yeah. So here's what what's interesting about this. Um, is my mom's my mom's record collection? I you know I would listen to stuff like uh, Freddie Fender and the Mamas and the Papas and Sly Stone and stuff. So it makes sense that I would grab something like King Tut from Steve Martin because it was yeah. a kind of a pop song novelty thing yeah. and a funk song. Because you know yeah. my mom would go. I mean that was her, but that was I would I needed to have my own thing. Those were the first two records that I bought. I think. Okay. As, if I recall correctly. Jim, quickly, what do you got? Hey, I mean, you were talking about the first album. I believe the first album I bought was a Steppenwolf. And for some stupid reason, I remember having to ask my mom if I could buy it because it said, God damn, the Pusher Man on it. That's uh, right. Yeah, that was yeah. one of their songs, The Pusher. Yeah. Steppenwolf. Okay, yeah. That's uh, like, and I, that, you know, that's a late 60s, early 70s band right there. Yep. And you and I, you and I differ in opinion on this band, but I bought this in 1977 on 45 because I remember the first side was this song. The B-side was a song called Clock Strikes Ten, which I thought was actually better than this song. I want you to want me. Yeah. Getting all kinds of responses here. And the first album I bought, I still have it, Introducing the Beatles on BJ Records. Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, Kiss, Kiss Destroyer, and I bought it purely on the album Arts. Hi, it's Mark and Neanderthal. What's your first record? Yellow. Yellow to you. <laughs> Hello to you, too. Oh, did you say E-L-O? E-L-O. Electric Light Orchestra. Yeah. Hey, this is Pacho from Superior. What's up, Pacho? Your first record? Hot Chocolate. Everyone's a winner, baby. That's the one. Yeah, that's, one. that's a great riff. Yeah. That's well, are you talking about hot chocolate, you sexy thing? Or everyone's a winner. No, no, everyone's a winner. Yeah, everyone's wow. a winner. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great riff. Yeah, I, I uh, did my paper out for about six months before I could buy it. There you go. Yeah, there's your 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 everyone's a winner. Hot chocolate. That was uh, and of course everybody knows you sexy thing. But I always I was always a big fan of of everyone's a winner because it just has a get that synthesizer going right, mm-hmm. and then the guitar kicks in and it's a good yeah. and you good sexy riff. thing is a kick ass song also. Great song. That's pretty rock cool sounding. There you go. 
It is. By, by the way, we've got a Facebook post also. There's a Facebook post up at KSLX uh, Facebook page and the Mark and the Antipal Facebook page where you can comment there. Robin's first record was the 45 of Bob Seger's Night Moves, which was about two minutes shorter than the album version. They just took the middle slow section yeah. and just chucked it completely. Probably so. good. Probably good move on that part. Yeah. Interesting stuff. My mom had that had that record in her album collection, and I never listened to it. I knew I saw, I saw yeah I saw the cover of it. You know, I saw the cover. And I was like, wow, this doesn't look like anything I'm interested in because I was into Kiss so, when I was a kid. And and you know, we had a guy call earlier. Kiss was one of his first albums. We were yeah. talking about you know your first records. Tons of emails, and and we we posted it too at the KSLX Facebook page. Um, let's see. David says first album Black Sabbath, Paranoid. Heavy stuff, man. All right, good for you. Uh, Rudy says, "Long, cool woman in a black dress." That would be that would be the kind of single you'd go out and buy when you're a ten year old kid. Yeah, because it was a great song. Yep. And uh, you know, you hear that, you run to the record store and buy it. Yeah, I remember the first guitar solo uh, that that I remember resonating with me was. Uh was uh, Baker Street from Jerry Rafferty, which I think was like 1975 or 1976. I was like eight, nine years old. All right, immediately, so, immediately hit me. So more first records. What do you got? Uh, my first album was Alice Cooper, Billion Dollar Babies. Good morning. I don't normally call radio stations, but when I do, I call KSLX. Nice. I was calling about your uh, first album ever bought, or first record ever bought. Yeah. And I had to laugh about it because it was um, in the 70s. It was an album. It's like a compilation. It was called Superstars of the 70s. Sure. And it was a... It had like maybe, I don't know, like four LPs with like a whole boatload of 70s stuff on it. Yeah. Was that one of those albums you bought off of a television commercial? Sure. I believe it was. Hi, it's Mark and Neanderthal. What was your first album? My first album that I bought was Kiss Destroyer album. Nice. Because it had the song Beth on it. Yeah. Sure. And I was trying to impress a girl named Beth. <laughs> but I got But I got to tell you. The first album I was gifted, my mom bought me for Christmas, the album by Olivia Newton-John, Lest It Get Physical. <laughs> which is really, which is sort of inappropriate for a mother to be giving their kid. <laughs> I, know. I know, but I had a crush on Olivia Newton-John. Well, who didn't? Yeah, we who all didn't? saw Grease. Yeah, we know what's going exactly. on there. That's a, yeah, that's a strange album to get from your mom. That was but... when I started my toe fetish. I saw Olivia Newton-John's toes in that, and I was like, "Wow!" In uh, like... in the video for the song, yeah, is that it? Yeah, okay, her, her toe I, was, it was I, a beautiful toe. It was the most beautiful toe I'd ever seen at that time in my okay. life. Okay, yeah. All right, I don't remember that specifically, yeah. but I no, kind of no, remember the video. It's a toe yeah. you would never forget. All right, it's it's a big toe. Okay, all right, just saying. Oh, oh, yes, like yes, possibly that the toe is attached to an animal, maybe a dromedary. Yes. Exactly, yes. Okay, I understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I understand. It's a fantastic toe. All right. I still have that 45 from uh, Hey, Hey, What Can I Do? It's the B-side of Immigrant, immigrant song. song. Immigrant Song, yeah. It was, it was, that was the only way you could get it when I was a kid. So I went to, where did I go? Jason's Music and Luggage. Nice. Yep, for 89 cents, I think I paid for it and, and bought it back in the day and, and still have it to this day. I remember going to a garage sale when I was a teenager and... Uh, one of the things for sale at this garage sale. There were no garages for sale. Which Never really is. confused me. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of false advertising. It's been happening for years. <laughs> but anyway, um, they had a single of Bad Company, Good Love and Gone Bad. Okay. And the flip side was a song called Whiskey Bottle. Huh. Which was not on any of their albums. It has been, you know, re-rele- uh, released on compilations Anthologies afterward and, stuff, yeah. and things like that. But I was like... Why wouldn't they put that on the record? You know, yeah. they confused me. Yeah. I was yeah. young. I was impressionable. Yeah, we're talking about like your first album, your first 45, uh, your first, like my first CD was Kiss, Kiss Double Platinum. Nice. My first crush. 
Remember my first crush? You know, when I was listening to music stuff, that chick that sang "Hot Child in the City." I loved her. I thought she was super hot. Oh, Wait. Nick. Yeah. What? Nick Gilder. Nick sure. Gilder, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was something. <clears throat> that was my first uh, <laughs> awkward awkward moment in music. All right. First record? My first album was the 45 of A Band on the Run. Pa- uh, Paul McCartney and, and Wings, A Band on the Run, were the first 45. Yeah. The flip side was 1985. Actually, 1985 is on the Band on the Run album. Great song. Now, it's weird because I, I would have thought that Band on the Run, the single version of that song, would have been like an A-side, B-side thing, like uh, We Will Rock You and We Are the Champions. It's only about five minutes long. <clears throat> yeah, but it has the, yeah, but on a 45, you know, you put three minutes on one side, two and a half minutes on the other side because it's, cause it's got that second part in the song. You know what I mean? It's the two-parter like... You know what I mean? It's, it's, I mean, the, how, the they had to cut it way down. Probably. Yeah. Because yeah. there's no I mean, way a five and a half minute song fits on one side of a 45. Oh, sure it could. Nah. Let it be. Or, um, Hey Jude. Was on a 45? Yeah, absolutely. Huh. Yeah, and there was never any shortened version of that. Huh. Yeah, that's, in fact, that's the way they released it. It was only released as a 45. Huh. And then it showed I, up on, it showed up on some albums later. Well, I stand corrected. Yeah. All right. Um, I think I'm right on that. But yeah. you never know. Yeah, I just thought I would have thought it was because I was surprised when I bought the 45 of We Will Rock You and We Are the Champions. We Will Rock You was one side of it. Then you had to flip it over and it was We Are the Champions on the other side. Now that makes some more sense yeah. because they're definitely two distinct songs. Yes, but yeah. you would never know it because of the way we pl- we've been playing them since day one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. How about uh, let's see some emails here. Beth, her first was uh, Alice Cooper's School's Out. Sure. Um, Steven. Oh, this is a uh, Stray Cats. Rant and Rave. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Yes, I do. Hey, man. Yeah. Hey, man. I don't feel like going to school no Yeah. Sounds like a little rascals. Yeah, I, I love the Stray Cats. Sexy and 17. Yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, is inappropriate in hindsight. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, they were in their 20s at this point. So, uh, yeah. That's cool. Little, There's a yeah. two-word term for that. Yeah, but. I'm not sure what that is. But uh, statutory, I think, is yes, the first word. exactly. Yep. Um, <laughs> let's see. What else do we have here? Let's see. Deb writes... Uh, Ooh, Big Girls Don't Cry by the Four Seasons. Oh. Big Girls Don't... Yeah. That was a lie. Um, they absolutely cry. <laughs> yes. Um, Del Shannon's Runaway is another uh-huh. one from Dave. Okay, another one of those going, high, high-pitched songs, yeah. We're diving way back there. That's good stuff. Yeah, we were talking to some people at our Cause for Pause events recently, asking them the same question. Richard uh, Gilbert. First album you ever bought? Eagles. Hotel California. Do you still have it? No. What happened to it, Richard? An angry ex. Destroyed them all. Oh, that hurts. An angry ex destroyed all of his records. It sounds like a John Hughes movie is what it sounds like. So, okay, first record you ever bought. (laughs) All kinds of stuff here. Um, Let's see. Hmm. Um... We have Sink the Bismarck by Johnny Horton. Wow. 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 Okay, that one goes back quite a ways. Uh, First album, Pam says, the Yes album. Been a huge fan ever since. Do you remember the first album you ever stole or first record you ever stole? Like you borrowed it and never gave it back? assume that I've stolen records, sir. Do you remember it? Yeah, of course I do. Yeah. Um, Mine was Last Child Combination. Actually, okay. Yeah, now, from, from Aerosmith. You borrowed it from somebody? I borrowed it from somebody and made no intention, I made no uh, 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 effort to give it back in any way, shape, or form. And then when the person asked me if I had the record, I was like, no, nah, I give that back to you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because I, I was just thinking about this like two weeks ago. Um, Alan Cornfield was the guy's name. 
That's the that's the name of the guy you, whose uh, record you borrowed. Yes, and I borrowed uh, Dwayne Allman Anthology Volume One. And I went to bring it back to him, and he wasn't home. I went to bring it back to him again, and he wasn't home. This was back, you know, there were no cell phones or anything like that. It was on a college campus. And, uh, and I, just, I still have it. We, uh, uh, I, got, I got arrested shoplifting at, uh, at Filene's in Boston, but I was one of those two, <laughs> with a kid who was shoplifting. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, was his, I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't the one that stole it, but he did. And we both got caught and nailed for it. So yep. he was he was cuffing Rush's exit stage left on cassette. All right. He was trying to put it up his sleeve. Yep. And uh, when we uh, it was literally when we got in the elevator, it was like the doors open and the security came in like the guys in, in Midnight Express. It was oh, exactly boy. it was it was heart pounding. It was so scared. Your sentence was not quite as harsh, though. I'm <laughs> no. sure. No, not at all. It was Rush. OK, so first record. Uh, my first 45 was Johnny Cash, Ring of Fire in red vinyl, see-through vinyl. Ah, oh, I had a boy named Sue on 45. Ooh, I had a boy named Sue also. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> no, hey, remember they used to have these cereal boxes that you could get the record on the back of Yeah, it you cut put... it off the back of the box, sure. Yep, you tape a penny on it. And... <laughs> All right. Thanks for the memories, Ryan fellas. Hi, it's Mark and the Interpol. Hey, I had Lady Madonna... And I got it at Hicksville at Mid Island Mall when it was first released. Nice. Okay. There you go. By I, the way, I went to Jason's Music and Luggage. The record stores weren't really a, a thing back in the 70s, so they had to combine it with something else. Half the store was a record store, the other half was a vinyl luggage outlet. Yeah. Miserable. You don't see a lot of that these days. Yeah. By the way, the B side of A Boy Named Sue, do you remember it? Uh, I don't. San Quentin. San Quentin, you've been living oh, I don't, hell I don't, to me. Yeah, I don't even. Yeah. I, you know what? I may have never. I do remember that the record label was red. It was on Columbia Records. I do remember that. Okay. Yeah. You know, Lady Madonna was interesting, too, because it was one of the few Beatles singles that didn't have a really good song on the flip side. The flip side was The Inner Light, which was like one of George Harrison's early Ugh. Indian sort of spiritual sitar Yeah, the Raga stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah so. when they were starting to do a lot of drugs. Yeah. A lot of drugs back then. Some of that stuff was good. Some, Some of that stuff so was not so good. Drugs are bad, MK. Okay. Fun talking about people's first records. That was my first Billy Idol record. Was Rebel Yell, and then I went back oh, sure. and, and went back and grabbed some of the other stuff, the Gen X stuff and his earlier stuff. He really had those like eh, probably three albums in a row there where he was kind of you know in the spotlight. Yeah, Billy his, Idol, his big time Rebel Yell, and then the one after that. I forget yeah. the one after that. <laughs> you know the other one. The other one. <laughs> All right, first record. Whiplash Smile. Yeah, first album, classic. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band purchased at J.C. Penney's at Christown Mall. Now the real one or the stupid soundtrack? Because I actually owned that. No, I had the real album when it first came, first pressing. Right. Uh, worst first forty-five, unfortunately, was Tommy Rose dizzy, and that was bought at Singer. <laughs> There's no reason to say unfortunately. That was a great pop hit. You make me dizzy. My head is spinning. Yeah, I that's remember that song. one. Yeah. yeah, that's one. Okay, of, that's well, one of my early music memories, right there. I'm so dizzy. But not exactly classic rock. No. No, no, classic and Tommy Rowe don't really go hand in hand. You know, they they don't. No. They don't. But uh, Tommy, like the song like that is is one of those songs that you would see on one of those commercials for, you know, pop hits of the late 60s or yeah. something like that. You know, that and, got, and Andy Kim's Rock Me Gently. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah exactly. And you've got like uh, Tommy James, formerly of Tommy James and the Shondells, and some 
actress who can't get work anywhere else. Right, going, yes. Tommy, what was it like back in those days? <laughs> I'll tell you, we had some great songs like, you know, Attack of the Green Berets or whatever it is, the, the yeah. Ballad of the Green Berets. And then the, all the songs would start scrolling. Yes, but right? then they would, then they would, when they were scrolling, they would go away from the, the actress that can't get work and Tommy James, and they would go to little clips of yes. like that guy yep. miming their song in front of a microphone. From an old TV show. Yeah, from like, you know, Don Kirshner's rock concert or, or, or American Bandstand or whatever it was. And as the songs would scroll... The one that was playing would, would be, be yellow. in a different color. Yeah. Yes, it would be yellow. The other ones would be white or you know yeah. or or dark or whatever it would be. But so the the ones that were playing were highlighted. And you and, I, and it's funny you mentioned Tommy James because um, my father, who was significantly older than my mother, I think he was like twenty two years older than my mom. I think he kept around some of those compilation albums like Greatest Hits of the sixties and seventies. Right. Like it was one of those. It was like an archive thing. It was like Greatest Hits nineteen sixty six. I think based upon the age of the woman he was trying to tag at the time, he would grab whatever year that the songs <laughs> right, were popular right, at the time. Right, right. But on that compilation, I remember the first song that I ever wore out and drove my father crazy listening to was Hanky Panky from yeah from from Tommy James and Shondell song. Great song. Yeah. I, mean, I don't Tommy know James. why, but my old man would have wanted to kill me because he heard that song thousands of times. Yeah. Yeah. Hanky Panky, <laughs> Crystal Blue Persuasion, Sweet Cherry Wine. They yeah. have a ton of great songs. Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, we ask a lot of people uh, when we go out what their favorite albums are. And the answers tend the to surprise albums. Yeah, the yeah. first albums. And it tends to surprise us. Mike from Mesa. First album you ever got or bought? Uh, I think it was Deep Purple, Machine Head. Smoke on the Water, etc. Right. No, that was one of the best uh, albums ever. Do you still have it? No, I don't. I sold them all. I wish I did. Uh, it was a Monkees album. Do you remember any of the songs on it? Last Day to Clarksville. First album you ever bought? Kenny Rogers in the first edition. And, and I learned to sing the song, Ruby Don't Take Your Love to Town. Why? And that was, a, that was the first song I sang at karaoke. My first 45 was... Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember that song. Yeah, Joy to the World. Joy to the World, yeah. Three Dog Night, right? Yes, written by Hoyt Axton. Oh, no kidding. No kidding. I only know him as an actor. Yeah, he must have made a nice, uh, as long as he kept the rights to that song, he made a lot of money on that. I would think so, yeah. We could do this all morning in May. Oh, I had a great time this morning just talking about, you know, the first records you ever bought and things like that. I mean... We've had we've had some crazy ones. First record, one of the first records I ever bought was a forty-five Neil Diamond's <laughs> Brother Loves Travel and Salvation Show. What? You don't know that one? No. Yeah, it's around. No, the, I, I'm a, I have a. I mean, you know, not to toot my own horn, I have a fairly extensive music knowledge. That one, I, you lost me. Okay. Yeah. That's around the same era as. Um, Cracklin' Rosie and Solitary uh, Man. And, I know Cracklin' Rosie. Yeah, yeah so. that one I know. He had a lot of hits, and that was yeah. a, I, I maybe would call that a deeper album track. Okay, I didn't. But it I was mean, obviously did a they put deeper? Al- yeah, I was going to say did they put deeper album tracks out on forty five. It was you know a hit that was not really a hit. It was just a part of a, part of an album. I think but okay. they didn't put it out as a single. I think oh, okay, I believe um, you. What'd you have? What was your first? Simon and Garfunkel, Bridge Over Troubled Water. Ooh, you don't like that song? Oh, you kidding me? Oh, it's flat. a freaking classic. Okay, if you say so. Yeah, that is that is, is the that's the epitome of wimp rock. Oh uh, no, it's rare you will uh, get a vocal performance on record like that one. Uh, Art Garfunkel, listen, uh, had bad hair. I admit that. Uh-huh. Yeah, the Larry but Fine of music. Yes, but that's a that's a <laughs> phenomenal, phenomenal vocal performance. If you say so, I do say so. I, I believe you. All right, let's see. We also have on email uh, Mark Rodas. Oh, this one, I love this one. Begged my parents for thirty eight cents. So I could buy <laughs> buy my first single, The Beatles, I saw her standing there. I thought 
that was it, it, I still think that's a great song and one of the coolest things to me was the way it started yeah one two three it, it's almost a punk song too it, you know when so you hear it cool. kicking in yeah well, the first time yeah I mean it still rocks but I by the song. way, by the way, how many songs have to do with 17? Like, I know that the mm-hmm. age of reason is a little different than back then, yeah. but, you know, I'm just saying. Well, let's just say, let's just say they wrote it before they were 18. How's that? Okay, yeah. let's, try, let's try to say that, but yeah. they, were, they were all well over 21. You don't know that. They could have written it years earlier. I, yeah, but they, they were 21 when they sang it. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, it's, um, it's a little on the creepy side. Not yeah. quite as creepy as Christine 16 <laughs> no, as he gets but, younger, you know. But, uh, yeah. yeah, that song I love, like the counting in and now the fah. Now, now, the Beatles are the greatest band of all time. You could argue love it, that. but you'd be wrong. Well, some others would say this band. Yeah. 100.7 KSLX with the Stones. Not a bad argument to have. Yeah, no, absolutely not. No win, win yeah. Listen to Mark and Neanderthal when you get to work. Sure they're illegal. With the free KSLX app. 100.7 KSLX. Season's greetings. Hey, dude, shoes here. Hey Dude Shoes are some of the comfiest, coziest shoes out there. Step into a pair, and it's like your toes have gone home for the holidays. Welcome home, toes. Hey Dude, good to go to. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to, because you can do it, if you have the right tools, and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.